1: Good football show, the waiver wire pod for week three. My name is Pat Crane. I am joined by John Daigle of NBC Sports Edge. John, how's it going?
2: Everything is good. It is a lighter week on the waiver wire, as most will come to find out shortly. No Elijah Mitchell battles that we have to endure this week. It's okay. Everyone can take a breath. As Aaron Rodgers said, maybe even tonight, as his defense is getting mauled right now on Monday Night Football, relax. It's okay. Let's get our ducks in a row in week ahead of week three. And that's how we're going to approach the waiver wire.
1: Yeah, quite a change from last week where there isn't really anyone who is jumping out from this week's, uh, this week of games, no kind of big running back handcuffs that emerged and got uncovered. What you might have on your waiver wires is some guys who people gave up on a little bit early. And so we wanted to kick off this episode with, Kind of a spring cleaning type of roundup where thinking about guys that you might want to be prioritizing if they got dropped in your leagues um, they're not going to be available in all leagues but these are the types of guys that we've seen hitting the waiver wire that are worth uh, taking a peek seeing if they became available in your league john who comes to mind for you
2: rondo moore is unsurprisingly the top pickup as he's been for the last two weeks and the waiver wire calm. So please read it. But we're not going to talk about him in depth on this podcast because you should have trusted me ahead of week <laughs> one when I had to go in front of the high sparrow and be persecuted because I had him as the better pickup over Elijah Moore and Terrace Marshall. So no, go to the column again. One more time, Rondell Moore will be there. And I guarantee you, he'll probably never be listed again because everyone's finally going to pick him up. We are trying to get ahead of the pack together. We are trying to win together. Also, really, this segment is for to perhaps grab the players that some of your league mates may have overreacted on. So I would just like you to pause or write notes as we move along here, just a handful of players. But if Sony Michelle was dropped, for instance, uh, before the game, because he had just one snap the week prior, I guess understandable, even though we knew that perhaps he'd grow into a larger role. But we saw once Daryl Henderson left in the second half with that rib injury that we don't know his status just yet. Maybe he plays, maybe not. Seems that's going to be a questionable tag there. Michelle was the only running back to handle touches. 10 carries for 46 yards. Jake Funk didn't get a single touch. So we, of course, want Michelle, if he's on the waiver wire, should be prioritized at the top. Odell Beckham, we didn't know his status. And now it looks like he's actually trending towards definitely playing, which has reportedly been the plan all along in week three. So if he's there, grab him. I don't know what's going to happen with Will Fuller and... The Miami quarterback situation right now is because the last time we saw Jacoby Brissett, he wasn't an NFL quarterback. So I'm not sure, but the reason you bet on Fuller in the first place in your draft is because you think he's an elite talent that will buck the trend of what's going on under center, no matter what. Anyhow, so if Fuller's out there because maybe they thought it was a more serious situation, whatever happened, pick him up as well, and then finally. Just as we continue to shuffle the 49ers running backs, if Trey Sermon's available, I would just go ahead and pick him up too since as we've seen injuries can happen, especially on this team. And by the way, Pat, there comes to a point where Like we knew with the Jets training staff long ago, injuries like begin to mount so much that it's no longer just luck. It's no longer just fluke, right? Like something's happening in the training staff. So right now I would just be getting ahead of Trey Sermon, who may or may not be active, but you're taking a long term shot on him anyways and pick him up just for the heck of it. If you have a spot at the end of your roster, anyone else come to mind for you?
1: Yeah. So I've seen a few guys hit the waiver wire unexpectedly. In some of the high-stakes leagues I'm in, Mecole uh, Hardman became available in one of them. Brian Edwards became available in one of them. Uh, Zach Moss is available in a few leagues. Some of these types of guys that are a little deeper, um, like Rashad Bateman became available in a league where he's probably going to be playing in week four. We still need to get an update on that, but that was the original timeline. So he's available. You know, I think it's probably worth stashing him if you've got the roster spot, uh, if you've got the bench spot. put him on there and then going a little deeper you know Deami Brown is playing a ton of snaps right now Heineke looked decent I think he makes sense I saw him hit the waiver wire in a number of leagues and then I think some of these contingency value running backs also were shed off a lot of rosters last week with so many waiver wire options last week those types of guys I think are going to be more likely to be on waivers right now than they might be in another week so this is a good week I think to go see what kind of contingent value plays there are at the running back position and and maybe add those guys back up too.
2: That's fair. Also, before we move on, we're hearing from the chat that my audio is too high and yours is too low. So I have adjusted, maybe not enough, but screw it. It's adjusted. And uh, you go ahead and adjust and then we can get into the biggest topics of the week because now everyone's filtering into the chat where you're here and they want to know the top priority. And again, it's a light week. We don't have to really be aggressive on anyone, but I will start and I'm curious to get your thoughts as well on KJ Osborne because the Vikings with Kyle Rudolph, and more importantly, Irv Smith last year ran 11 personnel three wide sets at the league's highest rate. The only team actually to utilize less uh, that personnel on less than 30% of their plays. Whereas this year Smith's season long injury has left Mike Zimmer, no choice, but to bump that last markup to 45% of the time, passing from three wide sets in a whopping 88% of their plays through two games. And that of course, has led Osborne running a route on 81% of Kirk Cousins' dropbacks, leading the team, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen included, in receiving yards through two games. So given the Vikings' favorable upcoming schedule against the Seahawks, Browns, Lions, Panthers, and Cowboys, it seems like there will be a couple spot starts here managers can flex Osborne for comfortably if need be of a wide receiver.
1: I I like that one. I mean, he's been very impressive. He has a 2.35 yards per route run right now. Mm -hmm. You mentioned he's out there a ton. I think it's been better for the offense to have a talented wide receiver, as it turns out. Uh, I mean, none of us really knew much about Osborne, but it turns out I think he's pretty talented and to have him out there instead of a tight end, I think it's been good for the offense and they've been in these pass-heavy scripts, so it's worked out really well. One thing I'd note is that he has a 13.9 yards per target, it's 8 out of 7.7. He's run really hot on per-target efficiency. He's only been targeted on 17% of his routes. That's lower than Jefferson at 21% and Thielen at 19%. That's only two percentage points higher than Tyler Conklin at 15%. So I think that what we'd rather see with a really high yards per outrun is that he's getting a ton of targets and he's got good efficiency. We're seeing that he's getting actually not that many targets and incredible efficiency. So that's I like him as a pickup, but I would I would keep it, you know, fairly fairly contained in terms of your bid size.
2: And that's the theme again of this week. Uh, You know, when you mentioned that he's not getting as high as targets per route run as Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I would say, of course, yeah. because he's not Justin Jefferson to Adam Thielen. So like, again, he would have been drafted in like the fifth round had he been doing that. This is literally a guy we're picking up. Some picked up last week as like the number five option just to stash him on the bench and see what happens after he played 81% of the snaps. It's just a, a pickup that you perhaps may need as we move closer to the bye weeks after the first month of the year. That's it.
1: Yep, I like that one. Who else you got? Audio good now,
2: Uh, Van Jefferson ran 24 routes to Robert Woods' 19 in week one, but it was only one game. So it was obviously possible that that was just a fluke for game script reasons as they blew out the Bears at home on Sunday night. But in week two, Jefferson played a career high, 92% of the Rams' snaps as the team's de facto number three wideout, again accruing the highest depth of target as the player we thought Deshaun Jackson would be in this high-flying offense. His production will probably be volatile, admittedly, since he's working with a 10% target share on on so far three targets per game. But of course, he's someone you want, in my opinion, at the end of your bench. See so he's, he's the number three receiver in one of the league's most explosive offenses, which has given Matthew Stafford the time to consistently make that read downfield behind the league's lowest pressure rate allowed. So I would suggest just looking at your roster and asking, do I need the weekly production, perhaps what we think KG Osborne is, or can I take a flyer chance on an MBS boomer Bust type player like Jefferson probably is?
1: Again, we don't talk a ton about contingency value at the wide receiver position, but if there were to be an injury to Robert Woods or Cooper Cup, then Van Jefferson would become very valuable. Um, I I am not the biggest Van Jefferson fan in terms of his prospect profile, but this team, I think, believes in him. They want to give him a little bit more opportunity, um, and I think he would get a lot of opportunity if one of those guys were to get hurt. So that's another reason to just have him on your roster. And you can also slot him in there for some spot starts, as as you mentioned, Daigle. Um, what about the, the running back pickup of the week? Not necessarily even a running back in all leagues. Um, he's, you know, came in as a wide receiver into the league. He starred as a kick returner, but now he's starring as a running back. Where are you at on Cordell Patterson?
2: And Kevin Osborne in the chat asked the same thing because Patterson cut into Mike Davis's role in week two, jumping from a 33% backfield touch rate in week one to handling 43% of Atlanta's backfield touches 12 of 28 on Sunday and seeing a 13% target share compared to just 5% of the targets in week two. He got both backfield touches, 100% of them inside the 10 yard line on Sunday, which is maybe, maybe not, but maybe a sign of things to come. So what I love most about Patterson, you mentioned him as a running back, but i on yahoo he actually has dual eligibility mm. so no matter what happens to the injuries on your roster no matter what happens with your fab bids there's always grandma's quilt there to comfort you on a sunday morning <laughs> if you need to just have him and start him in a pinch
1: yeah i like that a lot i mean if you can get dual eligibility for a guy that's that's pretty valuable and they're using him they, they seem to really kind of value what he brings they were you know he had a really nice block like I don't know. I've always had a soft spot for Patterson, so I I think it's been pretty fun. What about drops, unless there's anyone else you want to mention as a a key pickup?
2: Not really. We mentioned them at the top of the show, but overall, let's say you have to pick up or you want to pick up one of these guys. It's now week two, week three, your bench is stuffed. And so, like, you're not really left with some people. I'm actually just fine dropping Michael Gallup, who we have to remember our roster spots are so valuable at the beginning of the year. So, given Gallup's four to six weeks timetable and Dallas's more importantly expanded target tree that we thought would be limited to just four players right at the beginning of the year. But now that we've seen what's happening, Gallup as a spike week option seems less valuable at the end of our rosters. Like we wouldn't know when to start him, especially with Tony Pollard suddenly getting targets, both tight ends involved. So there's a lot going on in that Dallas offense that makes Gallup less valuable. And I would argue the same goes for Jerry Judy, uh, who even when he's ready to return will undoubtedly force those head-scratching start-sick conundrums we hate to make, especially with players off high ankle sprains who usually start slowly anyhow.
1: Yeah, and when you're moving on from a guy like Judy or Gallup, it is better to do it early because this is when the roster spots are more valuable. You know, you want to be able to get guys on your roster now who then can emerge and then you feel good about when the bye weeks hit rather than at the last minute trying to find bye week replacements. So I don't necessarily think in every league it's going to make sense to move on from Gallup and Judy. If you have the roster spot, I can totally see it, you being justified in keeping those guys around. But if you're going to end up cutting them in two weeks, do it now. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot more valuable if you're, for your team. Uh, Dago, what about deep cuts? Who are some guys that you're looking to pick up really, really deep um, in your deeper leagues?
2: And we're also seeing some questions, by the way, in the chat. Remember, this is an interactive show on Monday night football that you can always join into if you're listening at the podcast at halftime Monday night. And so someone asked, they're asking us to drop Rojo.
1: So I'm not bringing these comments. Well, we dropped Rojo last week, if you listen to me, so we're not worrying (laughs) about that.
2: I would also drop Russell Gage, for instance, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, We took a shot. No big deal because he is the team's number two receiver, but that doesn't matter at all because Cordero Patterson has proved more valuable than Russell Gage. So any of the guys we mentioned, I would definitely drop. And more, by the way, will be listed on the drop list in the column Tuesday morning, but for deep league cuts. And then I want to hear your opinion after I'm done here, but Alexander Madison, of course, because Dalvin cook, probably is going to play, but we don't know. And we saw him not only deal with the ankle sprain, but get banged up before that with another leg injury before he started dealing with that ankle sprain in the first half. So this is always just contingency player, but I think he's worth the pickup now that it's only week two and Dalvin Cook is already dealing with injuries. Uh, if Tim Patrick was left on your waiver wires... Note that he was the answer to replace Jerry Judy, leading the Broncos in routes run with four targets and a touchdown to KJ Hamler's three targets on Sunday, while Cortland Sutton emerged from nowhere, as we talked about on the recap show that everyone should go listen to with a year high, not just this year, but 2020 high as well, 258 air yards against Jacksonville's man-to-man scheme. Patrick still, though, ran more routes than Sutton in that game. Carry on Johnson as we continue to do this dance could be the only available running back behind Trenton Cannon next week. And as we see on Monday Night Football right now, we are just going to start every player, no matter what, against this atrocious Packers defense. And so he's going to be worth sprinkling on because he's not a long term option like Elijah Mitchell. Uh, like Jermichael Hasty, let's say, who did have four targets and four catches in the first half. Elijah Mitchell, of course, 100% of the team's running back carries in the first half. Trey Sermon didn't play a single snap in the first half. So if Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon or just Elijah Mitchell is healthy this upcoming week for the 49ers, we know Mitchell's going to get every single touch because that's how they were treating him with 19 touches prior to injury last week. But if not, if Mitchell with the shoulder stinger and Sermon with the concussion are both out, they literally, with Hasty out as well, have no choice but to carry on and Trenton Cannon. And so that's what we're looking at picking up and sprinkling on if we need someone immediately. I also think it's time. This is Deeper Leagues. I'll quickly say this, then we'll go to you, that I want to be ahead of Trey Lance. If you're Mm -hmm. streaming quarterbacks or have a replaceable quarterback, too, after the Garoppolo-led offense on Sunday failed to record a single first down in the first quarter and finished the first half with 24 total rushing yards, which forced Kyle Shanahan to literally change the playbook and dumb it down to make it easier for Garoppolo to move the ball in the second half. I know Lance didn't play a snap on Sunday, but that's not what we're trying to project. We're trying to get ahead of Lance as the team starter, and right now, it seems like it's going to be before even the week six bye week that we thought he was going to come in afterwards. So, if you have a spot to start him I think now's now or stash him now's the opportunity in my opinion to get ahead of it what were you going to mention
1: well I, I completely agree there I also mentioned that kind of jogged my mind to think about uh Justin Fields who we might get you know if Justin Fields is out there anywhere we might be getting Justin Fields this week potentially so um I would be running to the waiver wire for him
2: yeah so you're playing Fields this week you know if you're in that position uh, because of the Russian floor because against Cleveland obviously it's a, it's a disaster spot uh, especially after fields you know didn't look too great in his first stint against the Bengals no, he last didn't. week
1: but i you don't have to play him I, i'm saying i would i would grab him definitely he should be on no waivers at this point um, you're saying
2: you're saying lance over fields right if you're stash for stash only or you're saying fields over no lance? i would
1: do, i would take fields over lance because i think fields is going to get his shot and if he's not good he's not good but we're going to get we don't have to speculate oh. about when it's coming with fields It's It's he's going to get a shot.
2: I think if the plan and the plan all along has been week seven, if that's still the plan, I'm still taking Lance over fields every time. But again, that has to be your plan. If you need the starter, like right now, or you're going along with a fringe guy who like, you don't know what his outlook will be the next three weeks. Then sure. I don't mind taking Justin Fields at all, especially because after the Browns, that's when it opens up and they have a much easier matchup that really, I think they were prepping fields for the entire time. Anyhow. And then finally, this is really deep. And so you could, Hopefully you have something different than this. James O'Shaughnessy is dealing with a high ankle sprain and LaVisca Chennault is battling a shoulder injury. So I just wonder for tight end premium leagues, no nothing beyond that, just tight end premium. I wonder if now they now activate Jacob Hollister wow. and have no choice but to heavily involve him. I know we're getting deep here. And the passing game, because we know they're going to get ran out of their own stadium against the Cardinals this upcoming week. So I just <laughs> wonder... If it might be a time to get ahead, even though you don't need to get ahead of anyone for this line for Jacob Hollister.
1: I mean, I play in a ton of deep dynasty leagues and I think that even that's, that's too deep, John. We okay. can't be, we can't be telling Jake. Paul. I mean, Jack Doyle had, it; he went off. Like if, if
0: you're, he's
1: on the wave wire, I think in your deep re Jeff league. So um, there's, there's some of these deep tight ends that I would probably still pick up before Jacob Hollister is a speculative app. Plus O'Shaughnessy will be back. And he had a 12 yards per route run, because uh, he, he was targeted on one of his two routes and, and went for 24 yards. But anyway, the, the guy that I, I'll kind of reiterate is um, Deami Brown. I think he's, he's out there in a lot of leagues, even high-stakes leagues. He's running a ton of routes. I think we're going to see the offense maybe pick up a little bit, even from where it was last week, with Heineke looking better than I thought he'd look. Uh, he's run a route now through the season, Brown, on 91% of Washington's dropbacks. Mm -hmm. He has a yards per target of 3.2. So that's not good. But the idea here is, you know, over time, the rookie kind of gets his legs under him while he's getting all this playing time. He's got an eight out of 12.5. We know it's going to be volatile with the efficiency. And uh, he's definitely someone that I like as a stash.
2: I do want to see him in a, in like, in a competitive game with Taylor Heineke, because, you know, through two weeks, Giants defense has been laughable, which is shocking after didn't allow 30 plus points in any game from week six on last year. And so like against a better defense, I do wonder how it shakes out, especially after Heineke showed so much rapport and feeding high target share to Terry McLaurin. But like you said, he's literally out there nearly every snap, same for Logan Thomas. And everyone's also now realizing after Tyler Higbee played every snap, after Logan Thomas is playing nearly every snap, that that's why we still chase the guys who are just running routes and playing snaps at tight end, because even... Even then it's a disaster to have them like it. The position just sucks. Uh, and so, yes, just take the snaps and routes and that's it. Hopefully the targets come, but that's all it is. Just hope. Don't even worry about it.
1: Yeah. I actually like to chase the targets a little bit more and then hope the routes come, but you know, it's, it's kind well, of half dozen of one. Uh, to be fair. I chased the targets with Adam Troutman. Uh, everyone else chased the touchdowns with Juwan Johnson.
2: And it turns it's, out both. It's, sucked, yeah, so it that's matter. exactly
1: right. You'll get burned both ways. We had a good question here that I thought was pretty interesting about Trey Sermon versus Cordell Patterson. Which one of those guys? And and the question, I believe, was should I drop Sermon for Patterson? To me, that's a no. I, I still want to have pieces of this. 49ers offense and you, you just outlined how thin it really is Sermon I think could get a chance here soon so I would rather have him just for the higher upside certainly you're like you have to be in a position where you're not going to be starting this guy probably for like three weeks but I'd still rather be stashing Sermon but where are you at on those two guys
2: I think it always comes down to do you need his production and by the way without buys if you already need quarter Patterson's production then wow uh but you should still have him anyway. So if it's a long-term stash, it's Sermon for me. Even though not looking good that he didn't play a single snap in the first half when everyone else was injured except Elijah Mitchell. So long-term stash, sure. It's the same reason everyone picked up Jermichael Hasty ahead of Hasty's injury, just to try to get ahead of the next injury. So yeah. yeah, that's fine. We know concussions. Hopefully, hopefully will not linger too long. Usually players are back within a week or two. So totally fine with that. And also there are some questions here about. James White, J.D. McKissick, and Yahoo Leagues, those guys are actually are still free agents. And uh, James White delivers production weekly. He'll be the number one running back pickup over Cordero Patterson for thinner, shallower leagues. J.D. McKissick, though, you'll see him on the column. Let's wait until the column tomorrow. And we can talk about him. But overall, it's just kind of the same contingency guy that you hope to add production sprinkled in from time to time. And that's kind of what McKissick has become.
1: Dale, you mentioned, you know, we got to get ahead of the situation at tight end. Uh, any any thoughts on Tim Tebow here <laughs> in Jacksonville? Or... Uh, I hope he's doing well in life. I hope he's on
2: the same ship as Andrew Luck, just living his best life.
1: <laughs> I did want to ask you about KJ Hamler. This is a guy we were excited about last week. Didn't happen. What are your thoughts on him? Like, Is he someone you're thinking about maybe throwing back or do we have to hold tight with KJ Hamler? So he
2: ran the fewest routes among Denver's receivers, even in Jerry Judy being out. And that's what's concerning. The idea, like we talked about it last week, he still, with his profile and just the 4-2 speed, has the highest ceiling, even higher than Tim Patrick. Who, again, Tim Patrick, even in adding production this past week, did the Tim Patrick, Zach Pascal thing. I'm not convinced they're not the same person. They're genuinely just the same receiver who go out and get four catches or 30 yards and a touchdown every single week. But the issue is with Hamler, like with MVS, like with Cephas, let's say, you just need a high high target share since those deep targets are so hard to catch. And with three targets, that's just not getting it done with Hamler. Like you'll never know when to start him consistently. You can just plug him in and hope for the best. And we're not really trying to do that. So of course you can still pick up Hamler. I still think he's a, a great option. Hopefully we'll weave his way in more. But just the fact that Patrick ran even more routes than Sutton, that's pretty telling that he's going to stick around. So I'm, I'm worried about Hamler full-time especially with no buys because that makes it easier to start a ceiling player like that. But that's how he should be viewed right now. Just a ceiling player. In my opinion.
1: Another the question here on Peyton Barber, is he worth a stash in your mind? He did get a fair amount of run. I know it's really gross.
2: <sighs> yeah. It, well, it's the same reason you'd stash Carlos Hyde who thankfully I didn't believe it. You talked about it. I genuinely didn't believe it with our Meyer, but he did switch at least for one game to James Robinson, all the usage practically going to him Robinson out touching Carlos Hyde, 14 to two this past week. Uh, it's the same thing with Peyton Barber where, It doesn't seem like Gruden is convinced that Kenyon Drake will ever be the between the twenties guy. So he's going to live in that six to eight catch range, which is just fine. You can definitely start that if you need that immediately in PPR leagues, but overall like Peyton Barber, it would be like picking up Carlos high where you're expecting 40 yards and hope he falls in the end zone once or twice. And there's like really nothing more to his game beyond that.
1: Yeah. And I think that might even be, a little bit more to his game than he usually says <laughs> may not make it one <laughs> yeah um and then people have mentioned quintus cephas in the chat who uh is having a decent game here um scored a touchdown i almost had a really nice grab right before halftime uh any any interest in him i mean the, the lions certainly have available targets well the cops are being called
2: on you for mentioning Quintus cephas yeah. so
1: i went I too deep i went I too deep
2: I will do my best. Um, but no, I will say uh, I need to see his routes run. I need to see his snaps after tonight since we know Tyrell Williams is out of this game. We also don't know when Tyrell Williams will be back, which makes make Cephas a more, like, logical pickup in that case. Also, like, this Lions offense is coming back. They're not this good. At least that's what I'm saying right now. They have played disastrous secondaries in the 49ers and the Packers, and so like I'm not convinced this Lions offense is really a thing that we need to be chasing their wide receivers just yet. So he will be in the waiver wire column, but I'm not going to rank him highly, giving Tyrell Williams and what we know about the defenses they've played so far.
1: That's totally fair. Um, I feel I feel scolded for. <laughs> for bringing up a, a Lions uh, wide receiver, but... Uh.
2: No, no, it's just it's just like we're... we're no, 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 it's, it's a good point though because we're at the part of the season already um, where everyone is losing the thought, like the facts that player takes don't matter anymore so much. You have to provide context with your player takes and that's when everyone gets lost in the fold. We're no longer best ball season. We're just your player take is going to do. Um, now you have to provide the context like every 24 hours and like factor in every decision, which is what, you know, which is what we're hopefully good at here. And so I just worry that the defense they played are jokes. And so like, I don't want to take this Lions offense seriously just yet beyond TJ Hawkinson yep. and DeAndre Swift.
1: Yeah. And it's a, it's actually interesting because uh, Sam Hoppen had a cool graph today showing how condensed the offenses are. Mm-hmm. The Lions are not that condensed actually, but they're running through onesie positions or, well, a onesie position in the tight end and a very, very valuable running back position. So the fact that those targets are going to more valuable fantasy positions is great. But when you're looking at the wide receiver positions, it's actually maybe a little bit tougher to see the value um, because it's not condensing as much there.
2: And also ahead of Thursday, if someone dropped Chuba Hubbard, I should also say, oh, yeah, yes, you absolutely want to pick him up. It was only cramping for McCaffrey reportedly, but just that we know he's now averaging 29 and a half touches per game. Like Hubbard is someone we clearly want to be ahead of, uh, especially maybe after seeing cramping, they limit McCaffrey and like maybe if they blow out teams like Texans, for instance, Hubbard gets in at the end. So let's just go ahead and get ahead of that one just in case.
1: Any of those contingent guys, Tony Jones, uh, Drew hubbard i i highly recommend just you know if you have the roster spot that's that's one of the best ways that you can uh spend it i think let's close out with this one definitely a murky situation chargers backups any of these guys worth having on your rosters it looked like roundtree was the guy last week maybe jackson this week maybe they don't even know
2: that's my issue for the chargers running backs in the Bengals backfield like chris evans out touched samaj p ryan and My view of it, it may not be right, but my view of it always has been Evans will be the pass catching back. Samaj Piran will be between the twenties and probably goal line guy if Joe Mixon were injured. So that's not really contingency guys. That's literally just a a committee and that's what we're already dealing with. So I don't want to hold on to a committee. And that's the same thing for Justin Jackson who played and increased 23% of the snaps and out touched Larry Roundtree four to one this past week. So again, after Roundtree round out-touched him in week one, it just seems like a committee option. So I'm not really focused on it. I guess in both situations, I'd probably the pass catching back in PPR leagues and standard leagues, I'll take the grinders like P. Ryan and who we assume will be that in that instance, Justin Jackson. But overall, those are guys I'm pretty much trying to pass on.
1: Awesome. All right. So before we get out of here, I wanted to remind everyone, get an edge on your competition with player rankings, projections, tiers, and alerts for players on your team. Or who you're eyeing on the waiver wire by signing up for NBC Sports Edge Plus and do it at a discount. You can use the code GOOD19 and get 10% off your annual subscription. John, we're gonna be back here at halftime on Monday every week talking waivers. So, you know, set your alerts to to jump on here with you on YouTube with us. Subscribe, like, hit the alerts button. I mean, if there's ever a show to hit the alerts button on, it's the one that goes live at, at halftime on Monday.
2: And who knows, maybe next week CEH will be on the drop list. But for this week, hold on (laughs) one more time. Stop panicking, everyone. Get off my back.
1: Yeah, don't panic this week, but we might be panicking next week on CEH. But for now, you hold them. You definitely hold them. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for watching.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.